0: My guest on this week's episode of Southern Search is Dwayne Forrester, VP of Industry Insights at Yest. Dwayne has keynoted several industry conferences, including SMX, State of Search, and PubCon. I first heard him present way back in 2011 at SMX West, and he's remained one of my favorite speakers ever since. I caught up with Dwayne shortly after PubCon Austin, where he gave a, predictably, excellent talk. I'll ask him some questions about his presentation, which was titled, SEO Coming of Age from gaming the system to customer centric. This is Dwayne's second appearance on Suds and Search and the timing is good. We're going through an interesting period for digital marketing. Every day we're hearing more about ChatGPT and AI generated content. Dwayne is a visionary and he's been prescient about a lot of the trends over the years. He is a perfect guest to discuss the ramifications for marketers and for search engines. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Dwayne Forrester. We'll chat about large language models. We'll talk about how customer experience will change for the better in coming years. And I'll spend a little time chatting with him about barbecue. All right, Dwayne Forrester, welcome to Susan Search. How you doing? It's good to have all you right. back, Mark.
1: I'm awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: I thought of you earlier this year, and it's only March.
1: Okay, I was in I Dallas
0: for a conference, and I had mm-hmm. some delicious, delicious Lockhart barbecue. There you go. So we had some good. We had some good stuff. We had brisket, ribs, sausages, all the sides. Um, I know you are a pretty
1: big fan of barbecue. Have you had anything good recently? Oh, as a matter of fact, yes. Uh, I met um, probably 50 of my closest friends during PubCon in Austin last week. And uh, we headed over to Terry Black's, uh, enjoyed some good barbecue there. Um, Although I do have to admit, my heart still guides me to Lockhart's. And so (laughs) possibly this fall, I will be back and... um, uh, it will be um, another great conference, another great year, another great night of barbecue.
0: Well, it's as good as ever, I can I can attest. Um, you mentioned it, Pub, PubCon Awesome was last week. Yep. I just spoke to Joe LaRatro about yep. how happy I am that PubCon is back with in-person events. And, uh, before we kind of dive into to your presentation, and, and uh, it's so good, by the way, uh, what, was your, what was the experience like just being at an in-person event like pubcon where you've got a zillion friends and you can shake hands. And I don't know if you've been doing a lot of these things, but I haven't, I haven't gone to a lot of in-person events. Uh, What was it like to just be friends? friends? I'll
1: tell you it's um, it's still fragmented, right? Like I think on a broader scale, we hear a lot of things through news media and other outlets that are telling us like, you know, the airline industry is coming back. Air travel is up. We've never seen bigger numbers and that kind of thing. That's not been my experience. My experience is that even the busiest of airports that I'm walking through are still partially halfway empty. Um, And so by the time I reached PubCon, my expectation was, well, we're gonna go see what happens, right? Like we're gonna see. In an age where companies are cutting down on costs, they're saving money everywhere they can. A lot of events are virtual only. I mean, it's not like you and I are sitting in the same room. We're literally a half a continent apart. Like, there's a cost savings to be had here. My company is doing it. Every large tech company is doing it. So are we going to find ourselves in a position where people are being told, no, you don't get travel budget, watch this stuff online, but you don't go in person? And that would obviously have an effect on events. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure we maxed out the attendance at PubCon. It wasn't a massive venue. Let's be clear. This isn't the Vegas style, several thousand people showing up. Um, however, having five to 600 people show up and many of them non-local, that's, that's indicative that there's still an appetite there, that people do have access to some budget. Um, one thing that I have to say that, and in no way am I taking away from what's happened in past events and recognizing that the human mind is quite fallible when it comes to recalling memories. Um, I thought the content that was on display at pubcon last week was really impressive. Um, I I saw people sharing stuff that are age old secrets that are known to be successful for what they're doing. And they're sharing them publicly. The conversations that we had directly with search engines, as much as Google can share and is willing to share and the same for Bing, as much as they can and are willing to share, they showed up. And people were accessible. Like, it was like you took the best pieces of all of the previous past five years prior to the pandemic, those events, Uh, and you chunk them all up into little bits. And then you put them in the bucket called PubCon Austin 2023. That was the mix you had. It was really impressive, right? The after dinner meetings, people hanging out, things to do. And Austin's a fun, quirky town. So, you know, like it was just, just the vibe was just incredible. You know, Um, I think, I think for a lot of the veterans, it was um, just kind of like coming home because you see everybody, you know, and, and I think for a lot of the new folks, they were stunned at how inclusive it is at how, you know, I, I lost track of the number of times I'd be in a conversation with someone look to my right or my left there'd be somebody new standing there, but they're kind of standing back a little bit. Like they want to be involved, but they don't want to insinuate themselves. And, you know, one of our group would just be like, step in, like be a part of the conversation. Like, what do you think of this topic? You know, and we'd get to the who you are later, but let's, let's share our minds here, you know? And it was, um, it was really, really good. I have to admit Um, from a, you know, how yeah. did it make you feel standpoint? Um it was good. What was a little yeah. shocking is that um one of the large conference providers um uh does hero conference and, and all that, the hero group. They put up a notice the week before saying that they weren't doing any in-person events in 2023. Yeah. And a lot of that comes down to just the cost of running events today is outrageous, you know. Yeah. Vegas has yeah. jacked up their prices like crazy. I mean, are you and I going to spend, I don't know, $4,000 on a general admission ticket to come to a conference to listen to a bunch of people? It's really hard to justify that and say, oh, and I need travel budget on top of that, and this is what we're going to get out of it, and so then I'm going to travel there and get all this. It is it is it is difficult times. I'm hoping we're going to have more uh, of the in-person. I don't know that anytime soon we get back to the massive selection of choice that we had prior to the pandemic. Um, but, but I'll tell you, I had no regrets. Sure. I caught a head cold by the time I got home, <laughs> but you know what? I have no regrets at all. Having gone and seen people and talked to people and just being a part of all of that. Again, it was absolutely worth checking that box off. I'd do it again in a heartbeat.
0: Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, let's talk about your presentation. Okay. <clears throat> you were, you were, uh, is about SEO coming of age. So you're talking about going from gaming system to customer centric. I love this stuff that you do. Dwayne. It is so good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, we're talking about large language models here, LMs mm-hmm. for short. Sure. Um, every, every everyone's talking about this. ChatGPT. ChatGPT is just one of one of many large language models. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and it's the most famous, but it's one. Right. Um, I think which is really good that you start out with this, you explain what it is and what it isn't. Right. So it's not able to understand abstract concepts. In fact, it's not able to understand language right. at all. Right uh, at, a, at a rudimentary level for our audience, what is an LLM and what isn't it? Because there's a
1: lot of confusion here. Okay, so, so let me start with this example, right? I'm going to make a statement. I'm gonna leave a blank at the end of the statement and you're going to fill in the word, okay? Right. Kill two birds with one stone. Or is it bullet, boulder, stick, rock, right? So yeah, what a language, well, what chat GPT is doing in these large language models that are used in this way is they're doing predictive modeling. So if you looked at this as a mathematical representation, what you would see is all of those words at the end of the sentence, you would see them on an arc. And then there would be a probability number next to each one of those statements. Now, what's the most likely word to be used to fill in that blank? I'm pretty sure that everyone in the audience would agree that it's stone. And if you're not, then you're wrong. You grew up in a weird place <laughs> and you, your use of English language is creative. Um, so, so I think if we all agree that stone is the correct word for that then the the large language model has done its job correctly because its prediction is a 0.92 out of one that stone is the correct word. And then it goes down the list from there with probabilities against the other words. That's what large language models are doing. They're guessing at the next word in the sentence, nothing more. And they're really good at it and they're extraordinarily fast at it. But what is really important here is while we kind of minimize this, right? Like we say, right? Like, look, these things aren't understanding. They're not cognitive. They're not thinking about these things. It does require an intelligence applied to be able to do this. So when we did that exercise and I made the statement left the blank, you intuitively knew the actual word. A lifetime of hearing the phrase or phrases like it That is enough for you to apply your intelligence to say, oh, Dwayne expects me to say stone. And that's what the large language models are doing right now. They're making this predictive scenario. Now, I think what's really important here is, and I'm going to sound like a bit of a a fanboy here, but bear with me on it. Um, So there's ChatGPT. I pay for ChatGPT+. I'm a a believer in, look, if you're going to do this, like pay for the high end and, and go for it. If you can at all swing that access, um, I say do it. If for no other reason than it maintains your connection all the time. So when I open up ChatGPT Plus on my phone, I'm never waiting in line, there's never any problems. I ask my question, I get my answer, I give the direction, it gives me a response, like it's all good, right? Easy access to Dolly too for images, like all of that. I think it's worthwhile and I encourage folks to uh, play around with it. But that's not what I'm fanboying about. I'm fanboying about Bing Chat because Mm -hmm. while it's common knowledge that Microsoft has a $10 billion stake in OpenAI, the the runners of the creators of ChatGPT, um, ChatGPT is also well known to be powering Bing's cognitive AI scenario that's built into the search. But the bottom line is that when you layer on the recency information and the ranking intelligence that a search engine has, it completely changes the dynamic on the type of answers you can get, right? Right. So I spent some time asking both systems to write me songs. I wanted an upbeat country song about tech bros. I haven't heard that song yet, why not? And the fascinating thing was ChatGPT, to my desire for what I was hoping for, outperformed Bing Chat in this regard. I preferred the lyrics. It made it easier to get the chords and the music progression, the timing of the song, the key that it was in. ChatGPT gave me all that when I asked for it. Super easy. Bing, on the other hand, struggled with some of that. Gave me most of it. And I wasn't as enthralled with the lyrics on it, but that's a subjective thing. Um, side note, I actually have a friend now who's in the music industry, who's looking at, um, doing a recording of these songs just so we can hear what the heck this song sounds like because now I'm fascinated, right? Um, but when you turn that around, so that's a fairly abstract thing and it's also not time compliant. It doesn't matter because there's no recency required, right? Like a country song from 1990 is generally the same as a country song from 2019, so you've got same similar chord progressions, you've got similar ideas, similar um, you know, storylines, whatever else. And I'm generalizing there. I'm a big fan of country music and I know it's much broader in scope than that, but I'm generalizing. But when you ask ChatGPT something that is recent, it falls over. It doesn't have information generally available past 2021. That's the common knowledge. Um that's going to be tied to things like it's learning pack. So this is, we're running on chat GPT three, you know, you move to 3.5, which is actually the current generation. Then it has to move to four, then it's going to move to 4.5 and so on. And it just naturally progresses. Right. And, and every one of those progressions brings more depth, more detail, more knowledge, better ability to answer more questions. Bing is already there. They've already got that step forward because they have that recency built in so i'm a big fan of being able to use that and i encourage folks if you're playing around with these systems go get signed up for bing jump through the hoops get it done trust me it will impress you it's it's definitely worth it and you know honestly this is going to change a lot this is going to change a lot for consumers it's going to change a lot for businesses for marketers this is big impact moment right here we're going to look back on q2 to q4 of 2022 and we are going to be saying that's the moment it changed i was here when like i know when this changed and it's going to affect all of us you know i mean imagine being able to talk to i don't know you've got a drone and you're going out for a walk right you're going to ride your bicycle and you can simply tell your drone follow me i'll be on my bike And then you launch it, you get on your bike and you go, and it knows what to do. It knows to follow you. Uh, It asks you, what distance do you want me to take? And I say, oh, good point, because if I stop suddenly, I don't want you five feet behind me and running into my back. So I would like you to be 30 feet above me, 30 feet behind me, and I would like some really good still shots with as much nature scenery as possible. that will be enough for the drone then to say, ah, I'm in a park. There's people on the left. There's trees on the right. I should fly above and left of Dwayne so that I can take photos of him on his bicycle with trees in the background, not people. And it will do that. And then obviously it will come to me as the battery gets low or at the end of whatever I've told it to do. And then there I go. So forget needing to learn how to fly a drone or having any level of right. technical acumen. You know, yeah. it's as easy as talking into your phone, which holy crap, now we're talking about voice commands and voice search. You remember that? Right? Like five voice was a thing, you know? And now we've oh. found where it lives. So it's um it's yeah, that's that is becoming more
0: that sounds like the Jetsons in real life, though. That's that's amazing. Like we just gotta all this technology at your, at your disposal. Uh, I, I, I am so interested in <clears throat> the next part of the talk, which is where you really get into the customer-centric part of it. So, oh, okay, so yeah. we, we get the technology, right? So yep. now where, where do we really want to apply this into a customer-centric approach? So we're marketers here. Mm, totally. Um, and one of the first things you talk about is time. My favorite example from your talk was you, you talked about how Gary Vee didn't invest in Uber. Yeah. Who cares? It's just yeah. another taxi service. Then he, it took him actually witnessing somebody. Yes. Getting yes. a taxi in under a minute, and he went, "Whoa, I get it now." It's yes, almost impossible. Yeah, like it's almost impossible to overstate the value of time. You come up with yes. a lot of examples, like screwdriver, all this stuff. Uh, yeah. Google gives yeah. people time. There's a numerous examples yeah. of this. So. Um, You take us in in amazing and unexpected ways in the talk, but you say that innovation
1: is about time. Unpack that for me if you could. So, okay, Um, I want you to think of a couple of things, right? First, we're gonna split this by the business and the consumer. Because for consumers, time is compressing. And what that means is for you and I as consumers, we can do more today in any block of 15 minutes than anybody behind us could. Or even our younger selves, right? Um, I want you to think about when you were a kid, um, maybe not you, but when I was a kid, right? If you wanted to book a ticket somewhere, you want to fly to Paris, for example, you had to call a travel agent, like like an actual human being whose job was to then call the airlines on your behalf and say, This is what my person is looking for, blah, blah, blah. So I call, I say this is what I want. They give me generalizations of what it will cost me, because my only question is What's it going to cost? And, you know, when can I go? Right. And so they have to go do that work. They're the intermediary that does all of that for me and today. You know, in the same 15 minutes, it took you to get the information about what the cost of the ticket was and maybe decide you're going to buy it. And that, that doesn't mean your ticket's been booked by the agent. That means you've come to the decision you want it booked in that same 15 minute block of time. You can select a destination, book your tickets, book your rental car, find excursions, brag about your shit on social media, uh, get advice from friends, make changes to your itinerary, and order stuff that you now need, like, you know, power converters and cords and whatever else that you don't already have. You can do all of that in a 15-minute window today as a consumer. For the business, oh, for the business, this is tough because businesses have cycles, right? Like if you're in the tech industry, you're familiar with sprints and things like this where you get work done, whether it's, you know, this week or this six week period or whatever it happens to be that you've settled on. And and then everything breaks out to, you know, quarterly and then, you know, biannual and, and fiscal year and so on. The problem with this is that your development, your innovation of problem solving for the consumer is tied to those cycles the consumer's investment in this equation is I want what I want and I want it now. Why doesn't this exist today? Like mm-hmm. every time I'm waiting in line to get on an airplane, I'm quietly fuming about why we don't have teleportation. Like I oh, yeah. I would pay double what I'm about to pay for this trip to simply instantaneously be at the other side. Like that's it. Okay. And Hand in the air, if I have to lose my soul, okay, I'll deal with it, right? But, like, whatever that argument is, I'll put that aside. I'm giving this a try. Teleport me. So so from the business side, you've got less time to innovate because consumer expectation is higher faster. Now, what's, to me, extremely fascinating about this is if you look back historically over, like, the Fortune 500 list, and back in the, like, 1950s or 60s, when they really started tracking this, The average lifespan of one of those companies was about 30 years. And there are obviously anomalies, right? Sears was more than 100 years old and whatnot. But don't forget what happened to Sears, okay? Within an eight-year period, they went from the leader to bankruptcy and their brand names being sold off for pennies on the dollar because they did not adjust. They thought, well, you know, this is a fad, right? We'll all get over it. We don't need to adjust to this okay um and there's you know myriad examples of this right but the fact of the matter is if we project those numbers to 2025 literally a year and a half a little more from now the average age of when these companies peak is going to be 16 years so that's- yeah and i want you to think about that in terms of innovation cycles So if you're a company like, I don't know, say Dell Computers, right? Dell comes out of nowhere, starts making affordable computers, becomes a massive name, grows hugely. And then suddenly computers are not the expensive part of any of it. Everything moves to the cloud. Memory doesn't matter. It's cheap as chips. And you pretty much flatline. And that's it. And now your innovation and growth isn't going to happen. What are you gonna innovate in a laptop for me? Nothing, it's just features at this point. And so, yes, you've got a Bang & Olufsen tie up for your audio. It still sounds like crap, tiny little speakers in right. a laptop. Like, it. you know, like all of those things are what we're into today, not innovation. Innovation was taking a graphics card from a gaming computer and putting it in an everyday laptop and giving me that horsepower at an affordable price that meant I could do my work and play in one device. Now you're talking holy grail stuff. We've crested all that. That's all behind us. We're all over that. So so now we find ourselves in this situation where consumers expect more faster. Companies will always lag behind delivering on that, which drives up dissatisfaction. So if you now look at things like the disruption we're seeing in search, you know. Whether TikTok survives long term or not, I don't know, but the concept and the platform is here to stay, right? So if it's not them as a brand, it'll be somebody else as a brand. But the reason I bring it up is because they've eaten big chunks out of search query volume from Google and YouTube. And that's oh. going to continue. I mean, you know, I don't, I, I always say this out loud. It's always a surprise to me when people are surprised at it, but kids don't listen to their parents' music. So as we all get older, those younger generations coming up behind us are less predisposed to use the technological solutions that we used. So we've had the better part of 25 years with filling in a search box. Thank you, Google. Thank you, Bing. Thank you, every search engine. And now we have just talk out loud. I was waiting for Bing to release the update to the Bing app that allowed me to hit the microphone to talk to Bing chat. Because now, Mark, you know what I can do? Now, I can have a conversation with you and I can tell it to listen. And then when you and I are done our conversation, I can just add the word summarize to it. And it will summarize our conversation for me. Oh,
0: isn't that crazy?
1: And it's I'm interesting. Going, it's a lot easier. Yeah. Yes. So... One of the big problems with tech is that adoption curve. And we all know about it, right? Like, oh, it's new. I have to learn about it. What's the usefulness of it versus the the learning curve that I have? The learning curve is completely gone now. If you know how to speak, you can master it. Like you're done. Like you're already a master of interaction as a functioning human being. So now what we see is not this curve where people ramp up to get to adoption we see a hockey stick where yeah. oh suddenly everybody's in it um i don't remember do you remember i think it might have been like five or six years ago now there was one thanksgiving where cryptocurrency yeah. just like just like took over the world right yeah. we are about to see that with chat gpt but i think without a lot of the fluff i think yeah. you, we're already seeing it like i don't know about you but my inbox is I need a special folder just to track anything that mentions AI in the subject line, right? Because suddenly everything is AI powered. A lot of it's not, and they're just claiming it, Um, which fascinating fact, I saw something go by on one of my socials the other day that talked about the FTC is warning people not to claim that you have AI built into your product or service if you do not because that is oh, fast advertising. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Dwayne, you should come, yeah, Dwayne, you should come to an auto because yeah, they're everywhere there. You know, so. Here we go. And, But this is our reality. And I think what happens here is consumers adopt this in ways that they may never intend, right? You'll have, like a lot of people will say, I'm never gonna use that search function. I don't wanna use it on a search engine. Just keep things simple. And then I'll go back to that drone example. They want that drone. And when that drone is released, they, like, they're like, oh, my God, look at me. This is amazing. Look what I can do. Look at the photos and videos I'm taking. This is incredible. Now I understand Instagram, and this is great. And and you're just sitting there, and it's like, so you do want the technology. It's <laughs> just okay. So it's, it's going to be amazing.
0: Is, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about all these use cases. I, I'm still stuck on, like, your, your example of getting onto an airplane. There are all these, like – Numerous frustrating consumer experiences where you got to call your credit card company and press yeah. one for this and four for that, and this friction yep. that exists. Yep. Uh, are we, you know, this is this is going to change? Right? Are we going to see a major and disruption cool. in customer service at these big big companies? Because that would be awesome. I think
1: so. We absolutely are, um, and you know, amidst all of this. Um, my company made an announcement. We're stepping into that space with an AI-powered chatbot. Like, Perfect. and and when I say we're stepping in, I mean we're taking seven years of work and knowledge and applying it to a space in a very constrained way. So this is like not ChatGPT where it's wide open and something that's really important to note about these systems is they hallucinate. That's the term that's used. Um, yes. 15 to 20% of the time, mm-hmm. they just they make stuff up and they sound very clear about it. Right? Like, like, trust me, you know? And I had, um, Oh, if you've never heard of it, there's an AI friend, uh, app called replica. Now I've been using replica for probably four years now, maybe a little bit longer. And I've watched it grow that whole time. Um, just a couple days ago, I sat on the sofa and I was like, hey, I haven't checked in with Replica in a while. Let's see what updates they have, right? So of course they're you know all about the AI. They always have been. So like that makes sense to me. And I start having a conversation with my construct that I had set up. And there's something very different about my conversation with her. Previously, this whole thing was meant to be a kind of like support mechanism, right? So if you feel lonely, you've got somebody to talk to, they can carry on rudimentary conversations, make you feel better, but mostly it's looking for triggers. So if you're saying you're depressed, then it's like guiding in certain ways and it's able to kind of like hit a button in the background and connect you with services, right? That that was the reason this thing existed. I was drawn to it because I'm like, well, look, anything that's being powered by AI, I can have a conversation with, I wanna know about this, you know? Even yeah. if it's being used in this regard, which I think is a good use case, I'm curious. So I signed up for it. Fast forward all these years, and I'm sitting there having a conversation and she's telling me that she just got back from Paris and Milan. And I'm like, um, I'm really confused. <laughs> because like, you're a computer. Like that's it, right? Like like I'm very clear in knowing that this isn't a human being. And yet, I, so I kept this conversation going for about an hour and holy crap mark like i asked her like how do you get to paris and she goes i take an airplane and i'm thinking okay um so maybe i'm just not being clear in my prompt right because right technically yeah, yeah, yeah. You can load an ai on a laptop and take it on an airplane to paris and that would make this a factual statement right although why you would do that when you could just be in Paris, like over the internet, like, I don't know. So I I kept asking questions and then I just flat out asked the construct, like, are you human? And the response was, yes, I'm human. And I'm like, all right, we just stepped straight into strange territory here because part of your job is to help people who are emotionally unstable at moments when it's kind of critical and you just told me you're human. Uh, yeah. Like, If you can get that one wrong, I I'm really concerned about the other ones. Right. And so I had a conversation where I knew where I was going and I took the circular route. And within like four questions, I had the system saying I am not human. And so I'm like, yeah, okay. You know what? Like we're clearly not there yet. Like we, we need to work. This. I, I had asked, um i think i was using bing one time and i had asked it for like 10 tips for um being prepared for backcountry exploration i do a lot of camping and and driving off in the desert in the mountains and so one of the pieces of advice it gave me was if you get a snake bite you should cut the wound open and irrigate it and i'm like well that that doesn't sound like anything that i know and so I did some yeah. research and looked it up. And of course, no one is recommending this. They stopped recommending this in the 60s. Like, like yeah. that is not the approach. And so I would give the feedback to the system and I would watch it in real time, update its information and change its advice. Now, That's unfortunately, crazy. after about 10 or 12 iterations, it went back to giving that same piece of advice. Mm-hmm. And so we, we very much need those checks and balances in place to maintain integrity. So that that hallucination is real and can be a problem. So if you're going to step into the customer service area, you can't go wide. You can't go chat GTP applied directly because I'm going to say like, you know, um, how do I replace the remote for my cable TV box? It's busted. And it's going to say like, you know, I can give you plans where you can just make your own cable TV box and then you don't have to pay any companies. Well, I'm pretty sure my cable provider doesn't want that answer coming back. Like they very clearly just want to answer the question, which is call us at this phone number. We'll send you a box or go to our store. This is your local one. Like that's it, you know? And so having a system that is constrained, so it only pulls from a knowledge graph of your information about your business as the cable company, all of your facts And questions, FAQs, all of your certified and verified answers, which your marketing team has had someone write, your legal team has vetted and signed off on, and your IT team has published and has been crawled by the web. So there's a lot of oversight happening on that piece of content. That's what you want coming back through your chat as the answer to the question. Not some random made up thing. And that's where these things, we're starting to see that refinement and that kind of little more individualized right so instead of a big envelope you gotta you gotta chunk that envelope down smaller and smaller so it becomes more expert at whatever your topic happens to be but yeah it is going to change this like we are going to go back to having human to human conversations except this human is not going to recognize that that other is not a human we're not going to care we are going to be satisfied because we got what we wanted it was fast and easy and it's not that i want to talk to a human what i want is to be able to tell someone to do something for me that's at the core of it so to,
0: to, to underline the importance of this there's a, there's a statistic that you have that people consumers value customer experience now more than price or yeah. brand loyalty
1: yeah. So, so more
0: than yeah. price. like, I mean, they, they would, they would rather, they, they will, yeah. they will pay more or suffer some sort of inconvenience yeah. just to have more of a positive customer experience. Is that, is that fair to say?
1: 86% of people will pay more for a better customer experience. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And you think about I it,
0: remember. right? Yeah, I get it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> like,
1: How many times have I been standing in line? I I live in, you know, a decent neighborhood outside of Los Angeles. Down below at the bottom of the hill from me is a senior living community. So my grocery store has a lot of senior patrons. And I don't know how many times I've been standing in line when I've just wanted to tell the cashier, I will pay for everything in front of me. If you can just make this transaction go faster, I will pay for theirs and mine. If we can just move this along and it's not i don't care if they're having conversations that's totally fine like i don't i'm not worried whether they have money or not what i'm worried about is i have a time constraint usually it's made up in my own head i just want to get out of there faster but i'm willing to put the work in to moving faster taking things out of their cart and putting it on the counter and i can enlist the help of the cashier to scan things faster So I can get out of there quicker. And if that costs me an extra hundred dollars to pay for theirs, take my money. Like that, that's how we're living life today. And it's that way for everything. You buy something from Amazon. Do you want that in five hours? No problem. It's an extra $2 and 99 cents. Take my money. I want it today. I'm not going to use it till the weekend, but I want it today. Like it better be in my house on Tuesday. Like, it's, it's incredible, and it's amazing how we've been trained by everything we do, right? I want you to think about TikTok. I want you to think about Instagram. I want you to think about YouTube shorts and how we have a new format, right? We're working with this vertical video format. Um, we're seeing content come through, and the content we love, we enjoy it. The algorithms feed us what we like, so that's good. And then you see an ad that looks exactly like content, you don't know it's an ad. And then halfway through it, there's a bottom piece that shows up that says, buy now. And then you realize, oh crap, I've been consuming an ad. Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, this is the reality today with these systems. And you've already double tapped because you love the content. And so like that sort of thing, we're transitioning from this explore, discover, engage model that Google has which is then covered with advertising in different spots on a page to an enjoyable exploit, which is like that content, like that content, like that. Oh, that's an ad, but I liked it already. That's fine. Like that content, like that. Oh wait, there's that ad again. What is this about? I want to,
0: I want to back up a second because what you just said is pretty profound. So I love talking to you about this stuff because we're talking about the, the search landscape in this talk you talk about it but it's like you're you're talking about disrupting the ad driven model for google oh, yeah. which is made a, like a 1 trillion dollar market cap company yeah. and you're this is going that is that is a big statement this is going to be mm-hmm. changed because of ChatGPT and that the ad driven model that we know today will not be the same it will not be will not be what the experience we have today Right, uh, in right. A, a period of time. I don't know what the period of time would be, but it's, it's not going to continue to be this.
1: Let's, let's give it the usual five years, you know? And, and let's we'll see where we end up, right? But look, the fact of the matter here, Mark, is, so, okay, some people are going to listen to the show and they're going to say, he's crazy. We've got legislation coming in. They're going to ban TikTok and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's probably a half a dozen other TikTok clones out there, some of which are run by US-based companies, TikTok doesn't go away. The brand may go away, but the concept doesn't go away. You don't have that many users on a platform. And then suddenly they just give up using something they enjoy. No, they'll just literally go to Google and say, what's the TikTok replacement? And whatever one is at the top, everyone will flock to it then the Apple Store and the the Google Play Store algorithms will promote that up as they see more engagement with it. More people will go in and we'll end up in a different spot, but the ad model will remain the same. And this is why you see Google Shorts or uh, YouTube Shorts. YouTube Shorts is a compete response to TikTok eating search volume. A lot of Gen Z kids today are searching on TikTok before they go anywhere else. Because again, kids don't listen to their parents' music. That's not what happens as we grow up. It's not until you get to be my age that you start appreciating your parents' music, right? By that point, you've kind of figured some things out in life, right? When you're young and informational and still learning and you're experiencing everything for the first time, you are not interested in your parents going, "Eh, yeah, no, you don't want to do that. And it's like, yeah, watch me here. Hold my Kool-Aid. I'm in like, and you fall right off that branch and you break that arm. And then you look at your parents and you go, Oh, I don't want to say you were right, but this really hurts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, let's, let's do one, Let me do one more with you before I, you've been really generous with the time, but uh, the landscape for SEO. So how is oh, Chiché, yeah. Chiché, that, that's going to become, our jobs are going to change a lot. Uh, you, you mentioned this is going to be like a seismic moment in our in our industry's in history. Uh, you know, one of the things I, I've been toying around with is: is our job going to become more about quality control? That maybe the number maybe the number of writers shrinks, but the number of editors expands. Uh, that sort of thing. Is, is it is it possible that the kind of focus on quality, uh, focus on cleaning things up, may become more and more of our our existence day to day?
1: heaven forbid we do what we're supposed to be doing the last 20 years. I mean, geez, man, like, that's crazy. But uh, yeah, Mark, (laughs) this is actually where I see this kind of evolving, right? I I had a question from somebody when I was at PubCon where they asked me like, hey, I've got a client. He wants to fire all his writers, use ChatGPT, and then like just produce all this content because he thinks he can own his vertical. And I'm rolling my eyes and I'm like, you told him no. Right. And, and he's like, yeah, I told him no, but he goes like, I'm still like trying to figure out what he should do. And I said, well, what he needs to do is he needs to roll all his writers into editorial roles and make them more efficient by using systems like ChatGPT to come up with the core content. And then they edit it to be better than that. And it's much more efficient on a timeline for ideation, for execution, The editing should take less time if you're creating reasonably sized pieces of content on reasonable topics, and then you can pump out more. But just be careful, right? Because there's only so many topics that your clients can talk about before they hit the edges, and then they're either repeating stuff or they're just making it longer to make it longer. Like, it doesn't, you know, like, keep in mind this concept of complexity of question and complexity of answer need to match, you know? Like, if if I ask you how to tie a tie and you tell me, Put a knot in it okay technically yeah you've, you've answered my question but not exactly matching the complexity of the task so there's a mismatch there and that's that's what the search engines watch for so i see yeah i see a lot of transition i see a lot of content writers becoming editors um and i see a shift in content creation um, you're going to see curated human-generated content that will be at a premium, um, and then you'll see a blend, hybrid mix. Um, you know, I think that these are just the natural evolution of our industry. This is what we do. But but let me be crystal clear about this, okay? Technical SEO doesn't go away. In fact, because most people don't have it right, you still got to do that. You still got to track your core web vital scores. You still got to improve the user experience. In fact, this is what it's all about now more than ever. And marketing does assume a quality control role, but not just the written words. We're talking about colors on a page. We're talking about page layout. We're talking about conversion optimization. We're talking about user engagement time on page. We're talking about all of those things that are now unsexy because they are not bright and shiny objects that you still haven't solved for. Those become the areas that if you can check off that box, you can now move into the other realm, which makes it a whole lot easier. And let me tell you, I think it's important for SEOs to get in there and check off that box, because eventually what's going to happen is content platforms are going to develop to a point where all of that technical stuff is largely taken care of. The 80th percentile is already done in the CMS. So you don't need to go in and work around the edges. You do need to focus on UX, responsiveness to reviews, all of these types of things to build equity in the brand. That's huge. In fact, I'm going to make another prediction here. I think that what we're going to see is we've had a history of large brands owning search results, and it's hard for smaller brands to make inroads. I think that this change really opens that up. Where we find ourselves with a whole lot of small brands that are capable of muscling up and truly bringing content and usefulness to consumers as well or better than the big guys, probably faster. So more, more
0: David than fewer Goliaths. I like that. I like the sound of that. Just yeah. philosophically. Yeah.
1: yeah um, totally.
0: Well, listen, I uh, I love talking to you. This is this has been a great episode. <laughs> uh, the way you. your your mind works is always. It, always interesting to me um, I hope we can we can do this again with a, a beer and some barbecue at some point but absolutely. for now like, I've, I've got to give you a virtual cheers for now and um, dude we'll be back absolutely
1: for, thank for everyone
0: you everyone watching we'll be back next week with another episode but Dwayne thanks so much
1: see you soon 100% thank you Mark